Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoting for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Welcome to an episode, a very special episode of Homo Sapiens because I'm sitting next to my husband, who I've just, because I'm a lovely husband, what have I made you? Prawn stir fry. Prawn stir fry. If you just buy a bag of coleslaw, as in without whatever it's called, yogurt on it, mayonnaise, mayonnaise, bung that in a pan and some prawns, garlic, soy sauce, ginger, delicious and nutritious. How, what out of 10 would you give this stir fry, William? 11, babe. 11. Can't say fairer than that, can we? Um, hi, everybody. How are we all? I'm going to go to the freezer so I can tell you because they are the most delicious things I've ever eaten. That includes my prawn stir fry. What are they called? Pure Pops, all natural, very healthy little ice creams. Very healthy, very delicious. They taste like nothing else. They're like malty. So they're like milky, malty things. They've been my discovery in, in Woolworths. See, Woolworths here in Australia is the supermarket, unlike Woolworths that we had in the UK. Well, the UK one went bust, right? Uh, spider Count Low... Snake count low. There is a big lizard that sits in our garden in the morning, which um, William, my husband, thinks I'm lying about because I've seen it twice. Figment of your imagination. There you go, figment of my imagination. Because both times I've called out for him to come and look at it, it's gone. But I'm not lying. Now, what are we doing? We've got Courtney Barnett on the show today. Courtney, singer I love, swung by for a chat this is actually recorded before i came to australia but courtney is australian so we have a right old gas about growing up queer in australia we talk about her new album things take time take time and talks about supporting the rolling stones on tour and the gay bar scene in hobart australia so we get we get into it listeners which is you know all good delicious he says he's all over it uh, have you caught up with last week's episode with Tag Warner, CEO of Gay Times? It was a lovely chat. If you want to get in touch with us, it's hello at homosapienspodcast.com or on Instagram at homosapiens. Tell us what you thought of the episodes. Update us on your news. E.g., what the hell are your Eurovision plans? Did any of you get tickets? Did you have to take out a mortgage to get them? I don't know. Agony uncles, keep them coming. And before chatting with Courtney, let's have a look at the inbox. 
Thomas has been in touch on a transatlantic cruise, catching up with Homo sapiens. Transatlantic. See, that's the kind of listener we have. Transatlantic. Loving the Jesse Ware Culture Club episode. Brilliant. Also regarding the Scotty episode, is it bad that I own an reg and dupe? Please don't let them take away my gay card. Um, dupe, what's your take on dupe, William? It's the fragrance by Jean-Paul Gaultier. No, I think dupe is just by dupe. Davidoff? That's the model. David Gandhi. Mm-hmm. Thought you didn't know who models were. He's not my cup of tea. Oh. Who is your cup of tea? You. And Telltale Food on Instagram. Oh, my Julius. <laughs> my Julius. There we go. Yep. you got to keep an eye on him, listeners. Anyway, Print71 has alerted us to RuPaul's statement responding to drag bans happening across the US, so thank you for that. We'll put that in the show notes. Any other Instagram accounts that you follow, William, that you rather like, you'd like to add? I don't know what, I'm off Instagram. Off Instagram. Wow. The plot thickens, listeners. Um, all right, here's Courtney. Let's go have a chat. Hi, Courtney. Hello. Hello. It's always weird when you do the second hello, isn't it? Because we literally just said hello to each other two seconds ago. Yeah, and the first one was maybe with more enthusiasm, so I apologise <laughs> for the second one. <laughs> <laughs> so do you ever do a thing where you go on stage and you're like, you know, if the crowd's a bit like, mm, whatever, do you ever go like, I can't hear you or any of that stuff? <laughs> I don't think so. I, it's it's in the back of my mind, but I, I have this thing where I try not to force the audience to do anything like, you know. Right. I love that. Um, <laughs> and yeah, it's always interesting to read the energy of a room. If if they're not feeling it, then maybe it's just like a subtle enjoyment. What do you do though? If the crowd's bad, like what's your coping mechanism internally? <laughs> And externally? Uh, I think maybe over time it's changed and grown. Like I maybe used to internally kind of exploded and thought that it was yeah. the end of the world and, you know, everyone thinks that you're terrible, etc. Like the story that kind of plays in your head. But I think mm. now, I think it's just learning how to deal with that and learning that that's most probably not the truth and it's just like a different energy. I don't know why I started our chat talking about imaginary situations where it's not going well for you. (laughs) (laughs) Tell me that, right, we're we're done, cool. Um, We've got the tools, that's that. Um, Talking of things that are going really fucking well for you uh, is the rest of your career and your most recent album, which is just fucking amazing. So congratulations. Oh, thank you so much. I mean, I loved your music for a long time, but I really liked this last album. Oh, that's really nice to hear. Thank you. But you've supported the Rolling Stones in Hyde Park. It was just so fun. I had such a fun, joyous day. Oh, yeah. How the fuck does that come about? Did someone call your manager and... And then did someone call you just going, yeah, the Stones want you to support them? Yeah, I mean, I never know, you know, how those things happen. I'm, I'd like to think that, you know, the Rolling Stones were sitting listening to my uh, albums and demanded my name, but I did not. Um, <laughs> sadly, I don't think that's the way things happen. <laughs> well, I'm sure they were across it, you know what I mean? You know, I knew it was happening and I knew that, but it was still very surreal. That is let's be real that is so surreal and i have i have a song with a lyric that refers to them and as i was singing it as i was singing it i was like oh my god this is so weird and then i forgot the lyrics to the rest of the song because i was so i was just so it was just such this weird meta kind of 
moment. Yeah. Was there an encounter backstage? No, there was no encounter. But like we watched the whole show and it was just so good. It was just, oh. you know, the sun was setting and it was beautiful. Everyone was in a good mood. And yeah, it was Lovely. just, um, it was a really nice day. I was really happy to be part of it, actually. I'm not surprised. It's like a life list thing I can only imagine for any artist, you know. Um, sadly, I'm not a songwriter myself. Um, what about growing up for you? Where did you grow up? So I grew up in New South Wales, uh, mm. like near Sydney, about an hour from Sydney. And I lived there until I was 16. And then I moved to Hobart in Tasmania, the little island down the bottom. Uh, and yeah. um, yeah, and then when I was 20 something, I moved to Melbourne. So I was in Adelaide filming. I met lots of people from all over. So many lovely conversations about growing up as mm. gay men, women, queer people, general, whatever. Mm-hmm. I, I, so I'm always interested to talk to Australians about what their own queer little network was growing up I mean did you have that at all or did that come at a certain age I think not until I was about 18 or 19 Mm. yeah before then it was quite kind of non-existent and um yeah probably like a kind of internalized homophobia kind of I guess it wasn't until I was kind of out by 18 19 ish and started going out to gay bars and that kind of stuff and like met people and made friends and so mm. that was really the kind of beginning of of more of a kind of community and conversation was that when you're in Hobart yes yeah what was on offer at that age in anything good <laughs> well there was a gay bar that I worked at oh okay <laughs> called Flamingos and that was the only well I'm pretty sure it was the only gay bar um a couple of clubs did like gay nights and stuff like that, but um, pretty small town, I guess. I think it was pretty good for for what it was, the size. And was it a gay bar, which I always ends up being just for gay men, and then everyone else gets like second billing, or was was there like a sort of lesbian contingent? Both, both of the above. Right. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I think because there wasn't that, there wasn't that separation. Like there wasn't really other choices and the people that ran it they were so lovely I think they just wanted like a place for people to go to feel safe and to have fun and then how do you identify these days because I'm aware it evolves for so many people and I'm probably you know using 400 year old facts um (laughs) yeah good question I don't really I normally just say queer um that's kind of where I where I end up Mm. literally a, a light bulb went off on my in my head on my head or in my head when I was Michael Stipe came on this podcast he was like oh I think I probably would have identified if I was a kid now as in like a teenager now mm. I would identify as many many things but that's sort of in the past and I'm sort of past that phase of my life where mm. I need to sort of you know lay out really heavily who I am because laying out heavily who you are is how you then find your people and all the, all the rest of it. And I'm now putting words in his mouth, but in some respects, once you found your people, the label becomes less required and Mm. less, unless it burns within you and you must, you know, everybody must do whatever they feel. But I was a bit like, Oh, that's really interesting. Cause I'm always prior to that conversation. I think I used to wring my hands a lot about not knowing if my labels were perfect for me. You know what I mean? Mm. And actually then it's like, I'm like, well, Good point. Maybe that's for a different time. Yeah, that's a really interesting point and conversation. Mm. I think it's, and I think it's just so. I mean, obviously, everyone is so different, so it's so hard to like to to kind of draw the line. Maybe some people it's easier than others. I'm not sure. 
Well, I always remember like Susie Ruffle, a comedian over here, like she came on the podcast and um, mm-hmm. she was like, I have a real problem baked in about the word lesbian, being called a lesbian, because like people used to shout that at people at school, you know, like mm. it was a really horrible word. And and, mm-hmm. and it it makes it makes tons of sense that sometimes they can be things that sort of at their core, I don't know. They contain traumatic pasts, right? Hundred percent. Yeah. I mean, even even the word queer, I guess, has has such negative kind of history. Mm. Um. But yeah, I, I, and I guess again, that's like the personal. Like some people might have a really bad attachment to a name, and they can't they can't reclaim it, even if it means something different to them, because it has that tra- trauma attached to it. Yeah, because you know, people write in saying to me like. I don't think you should use the word queer. Mm. And and I'm like, well, you know, everyone's allowed their own opinion. But, mm. like, it works for me, like, in terms of talking about everyone out there because a, a real spectrum Listen to this. So it's like queer people. Mm. It's so full of solidarity. I understand the history of it is full of really sh- shit stuff. But mm. right now it feels like a very, very inclusive word that's really yeah. positive and baked in says you don't have to define yourself. Yeah, I agree w- with you. I mean, I can see how someone might think that because of, I think it's the intention as well, the way that it's used. And mm. obviously that's, you know, when I when I call myself queer, it's obviously a positive intention. And But I, I, can, I can understand from that person's point of view, but yeah. Yeah, and also like I haven't been on the receiving end of, um, you know, having that word in a bad way for whatever reason. Um, sorry, my WhatsApp is binging. I can turn it <laughs> off. Dave the Carpenter wants to know the width of my gate. Well, it'll have to wait, Dave. <laughs> um, do you find that you need, or do you even find that it exists, a sense of kind of solidarity with other artists in the music scene who are queer or or not, you know? Like, do you have a gang who all kind of look out for each other? Hmm, good question. To be honest, it's probably less kind of based on that and more just based on like I think, you know, when you find like-minded people who are like trustworthy, loyal and funny and like, you know, tick those kind of boxes, then like they're the kind of supportive. I think especially as artists, it's so like on the kind of touring circuit, having that support is really nice. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. 
Let's get this dinner party started. Was your house a musical household? Growing up? Yeah, it was actually. Uh, I was thinking about this recently. Uh, my parents didn't play instruments, but they listened to a lot of music. And my brother kind of started playing guitar when he was a teenager. So I think that kind of inspired me. But we always had music on in the house. And my dad listened to a lot of really good music looking back now. <laughs> Mm. which I think was like good good foundations. What Do you remember what kind of things would be drifting through the sitting room? I mean, he listened to mostly jazz, so it was kind of like oh, cool. Miles Davis and Herbie Hancock and um, wow. Nina Simone, Ella Fitzgerald. And, and mum listened to a lot of classical music. My mum was a, a dancer. So, yeah, that was kind of – there wasn't much pop or rock. That's so funny because um... – so my dad, his first, one of his first ever jobs was he was a jazz pianist. And so nice. he listened to tons of jazz. And my mum always listened to classical music, isn't that Ah, oh, lovely. So we always had the sort of the two. What I didn't literally didn't realise till like three years ago, for anyone, I'm sure you know, but um, as in like for anyone who didn't know, is like part of what's baked into jazz is it's improv, right? Like it's people just playing music together. I I, I was like, I thought it was a bit meandering. <laughs> <laughs> so, yes. But I never really, I, it's, it's really odd. Like it never got into my bones. And like my dad actually bought us a piano to try and play piano when we were kids. But I always remember I thought it was too noisy, which is uh, <laughs> a sign of a sensitive kid, isn't it? Um, <laughs> but... Did you love it? Did you feel like that was the beginning of your journey or is was it just what was going on? Um, there was probably the element of like, you know, dad's music rolling my eyes. Yeah. But um, I think I actually, like I remember we used to like dance in the lounge room. Oh, nice. Yeah. Also, we didn't really have a lot of music then. Like kind of, that was our first, the family CD player. And yeah, and looking back, my dad like, he wasn't a musician, but he was like always air drumming. And, oh, sweet. Um, <laughs> I think it was like this joy that kind of, yeah, like this really sweet joy actually of listening to music that like I saw in him. And I'm sure that that translated, you know, and then, you know, I, I would listen to my brother's CD. So I guess that was the kind of crossover, but I think it's all important. It's all, mm. it's all part of it. Cause you did, like, you started writing poetry, is that right? Was that your sort of first things you did? Yeah, yeah. And I'm always fascinated by that because I feel like anyone who puts pen to paper is metabolizing something, you know, like, you feel like you've got to try and work it out. It, it's like, I don't know, I feel like that is the motivation. But was that for you? And do you remember what you were trying to work out? Yeah. I mean, I must have, I was such a big reader and... Mm. um I really loved, I mean, I'd go to the library every day after school and sit really? there and, and uh, so I really must have consumed things that inspired, like given me that kind of slightly romantic idea of lounging around writing <laughs> poems, um, which obviously attracted, attracted me to it at that age. Um, and I don't know exactly what that was, but, you know, I think just, just through learning in school, of learning about poetry and writing short stories and all that kind of stuff that you do as exercises. And I probably just kind of enjoyed it and kept on doing it. And when you write a song now, 
This is a nebulous question, but we'll find the better version together. <laughs> when you're writing a song now, like, what are you metabolizing? It, is it your emotions? Is it things going on outside in the world that you're viewing but not part of? Mm, it's definitely a lot of the time some sort of emotional reaction to something. But I think a lot of the time it's also, it's it's kind of a combination. Like, I feel like it's a document as well, like a document of time and oh, yeah. mm. kind of like a snapshot of a, of a moment, but also, yeah, capturing the emotion within that moment, I guess with some sort of kind of nostalgic connection, but yeah, it's in, uh, maybe different, different songs and different moods kind of inspire different directions. Mm. Are you always looking for the, funny is not the right word but the kind of slightly inventive witty angle on that you know trying to say it in an imaginative way um yeah because I think that's what you know the the fine details are what makes a experience your own you know or you can Mm -hmm. um identify it or you know we all go through such similar things sometimes but what is it that makes it different you know what is it that makes makes that moment our own so I think it's just I find it really interesting to to focus on those on those details it's almost like you know how like on TikTok which I'm not on but like I and I don't understand (laughs) yeah here I go um it's so funny that there are people with millions of followers who literally just every morning they put a bit of jam on a piece of bread I'm making this up but that's all they do it but it's so specific Mm. and I and I'm like that I think that is what people connect with, isn't it? Like the ultra specific. It's not, oh my God, I miss you. It's, oh my God, I miss you. And then five other specific things. And I wonder why people connect with that more because mm. it should be alienating. Yeah, true. Yeah, I think that there's something about the specifics, even if you can't personally re- relate to every single one, sometimes there's one that jumps out and you're like, oh, my God, I do that too, or we do that, or, you know, that happened. It, it's like something that really – there's something about it, I think, that that just draws you in. I guess it kind of evokes the senses mm. a bit more, I think. But that's how I feel anyway when I, when, when I listen to things that really kind of inspire me that way. It kind of wakes you up a little bit. Yeah, and then when it comes to those specifics, do you find – there is so little queer representation for queer women, for example, in music, in cinema, in this, that, the other. Do you find that people come to you wanting you to be that for them? And do they contact you and, uh, and say things to you? Or do you sort of go, that's not really my role here? Mm, yeah, I guess sometimes it's hard to know if that's what someone's intention is. Mm-hmm. But I mean, the representation is certainly more. It could always be more, obviously. But yes. um, yeah. uh, definitely. Um, but yeah, it's it's sometimes. I, I guess I've had this conversation with friends, and it's like, am I getting this job because I'm of my talent, or because of my what I've achieved, or um, you know, because I because I tick a box, or mm. um, what is it? I guess we don't always know. No, and actually, I think I was sort of asking it badly then, because what I I suppose what I mean more is like, but for a fan of yours, mm-hmm. you know, like you can be a North Star of 
their queerness you know like i see myself reflected in you you have awoken me to this in me ah yes but that's quite a that's quite a thing for you because you're like oh okay now i have to like you know um and does do you like that because is there a sense of activism in that that empowers you or are you like that's not really what I'm here for. I see what you're saying now. Sorry. Um, no, I explained it badly. <laughs> no. It's one of my skills. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a kind of a fine line between being really aware of it and trying not to be too aware of it. Mm. But yeah, I, I mean, just recently, a friend of a friend said one of their friends had come to my show and they were so happy because um, I was the reason they came out or something along those lines. Mm. And um and it made me so happy. That's amazing. <laughs> I guess because you don't always hear those stories, obviously, because mm. it doesn't always get back to you. But um, it was just a, yeah, just a small comment. And, um, yeah, I, I think that that's just so great. It's like anything that kind of um, opens people up in a certain way or makes them feel heard or seen or supported or, like, all of those things, I think that's so important. And... Yeah, I think that fine line is kind of important because it's like I don't want to force it too much because yeah. then it kind of feels like it loses a certain element of meaning or kind of um, re- realness. But um, mm. I guess it's just if it's me being me and people like that, then then that's that's makes me happy. And when do you know on the me being me thing, like what I'm amazed about by good songwriters is the capacity to be so, I don't like this word, but so authentic that other people connect with it. And actually, I think what is in most people's way is we're not very in contact with what's going on within us. And actually, it's songwriters, those people who can somehow get into the place of knowing what's going on in here and then commit it to paper and Mm. make it rhyme. But, you know, it's like, how do you, how do you know you're onto a good one? You know what I mean? Like, ah, that was me, just me unfiltered. Yes. I um, I think about this all the time. Really? Yeah, because I think it's so interesting because probably maybe our most authentic moments come from like when we're not thinking about it or from the kind of subconscious, mm. you know, because I think that when we when you think too much, about something you're you're projecting it in a certain way or you're you're coming at it with an angle or with some sort of filter so i think sometimes the best moments of mistakes yeah <laughs> or you know like the moments that you d- we don't plan or we don't we don't overthink because they kind of this little bit of unfiltered truth kind of seeps through Mm. so yeah it's an interesting one it's like well how do you do more of that how do you make Mm. more (laughs) accidents or but I think those moments are the the ones that I kind of try to find yeah my version of that is I was supposed to be doing like some boring work and I was in New York and I wanted to go to Deer Beacon which is way upstate in New York which is an art gallery and I was sort of explaining someone why I wanted to do this rather than do the work I had to do And they were like, oh, well, it's all grist to the mill, isn't it? Which I'm hoping is not a problematic statement these days. (laughs) I think it's to do with grinding flour. Um, Oh, okay. But anyway, you know, it's like, oh, it's all just stuff that goes in the machine. You know, going up, seeing some art, you'll, you know. And 
if you keep doing things like that, plus also sitting down and just going, today I'm going to do something, create, I'm going to write, you know, because mm. one of my jobs is writing. It's not songs. <laughs> it's like TV and films. But like that will happen. But then also it will be when you're cooking an egg later that the, the whole thing will crystallize because yeah. you were, you've got your front brain and your back brain or whatever, subconscious and then conscious. And I just let them kind of talk to each other. <laughs> yeah. And then deliver me messages. Yeah, that's that's the really beautiful thing about it, I think. And like creativity and just those moments are special, I think. But I also have a thing, and I wonder if you can relate, which is I often am not able to remember my best ideas mm-hmm. uh, and so not i'm able to remember them i'm not able to remember how they came about uh, so that's why i write everything down in notes yes but then often people are like how did that happen and i'm like i don't really remember and i also write everything down and don't really overthink the writing it down phase and then i look at it like two years later and i'm like whose fucking idea was that it's amazing why did i do nothing <laughs> with that on the day yeah i that's what i love um i, I went through a bunch of my old like notebooks recently and I think there's so much like cringy so so many (laughs) embarrassing moments but then there's also like two parts of it is that that through the cringy moments you you learn and you grow and you or you see how far you've come or how far you've changed yeah which is nice but um yeah I think sometimes you yeah you find some really good stuff that you've forgotten about or like a part of your brain that Maybe like, or maybe an idea wasn't ready to to kind of exist until another certain point. It's kind of a bit like weirdly magical. <laughs> it's weird what just shines out to you with mm. some time away from yourself. It's like it wrote, it was written by someone else in a way. Yeah, I love the idea of writing writing everything down. I do get I get lazy at it sometimes, but yeah, I guess what? when I was writing this album, I was I had so much time on my hands, so I was just sitting around watching movies with a notebook and you know certain like ideas or lyrics probably were inspired by certain themes within films and so yeah you do forget because it's just kind of floating around i remember you saying that films inspire you more than music is that right i did say i did say that yes <laughs> do, you, do you stand by it do <laughs> i don't know i probably did on that day but um You're like, i hate movies <laughs> they're rubbish all of them <laughs> yeah i think it's just you know, it, it probably depends on the, the last thing you watched and the last um, thing you listened to. But no, I just I, probably what I mean is that there's so much inspiration everywhere. Like if you're open to it, you can find like interesting ideas and yeah. Mm. You're going to tell me now, and I'm sorry, this will just be a, a, have you done movie stuff? Have you ever done a soundtrack? I'm sure I should know all this. Um Oh, actually, so my friend Danny Cohen, he's a director. He made a documentary about me. Yes, um, yes. Yeah, I did a, I did a, like a, a kind of brief, slightly improvised soundtrack, which was really fun, actually. I think that we only spent a day or two days on it, but um, I would really love to do more stuff yeah. like that in the future. Yeah, it's also quite a nice, like, later in life chapter thing to do because you don't have to go out on the road all the time yeah you can do it like in a caftan in joshua tree <laughs> <laughs> and just send yeah, it by email i think it would be nice yeah exactly <laughs> um i've got one last question for you because it made me chuckle so a friend of yours asked you to write a list 
of things that you was it things you were grateful for or have I added that bit on the end um things to look forward to things to look forward to and at first you said you you couldn't think of anything what ended up on that list (laughs) oh back then well from memory I think that um my niece was yet to be born so I think I was that was something I put on the list um I was excited to to meet her and uh yeah I was quite low at that point in my life um so it really was a struggle to Mm. to find things but um but then I think you know the 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 point the pros making that list which essentially a gratitude list I guess um Mm. yeah I think it just it 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 takes away the kind of severity or whatever you've perceived to be to be the severity of the situation or the the overwhelm and it kind of made me just focus on these small very simple you know tomorrow's coffee I'm looking forward to kind of moments always yeah yeah (laughs) on Thursday we're going to be chatting to the one the only Joe Lysett it's brilliant chat does Joe do any other kind of chat no uh, get in touch, stay connected on Instagram at Homo Sapiens, Facebook at Homo Sapiens Podcast. Email your comments, your questions, your agony uncles to hello at Homo Sapiens Podcast.com. Thank you so much for listening. William, would you like to say goodbye? Yeah. Hang on, you have to come closer so everybody can hear you. It's been 224 episodes and finally he makes an appearance. Say goodbye, everybody. Bye, everybody. Thank you for letting me feature on your award winning podcast. Bless. All right, bye, everyone. Powered by Spirit Studios.